Blog Talk Radio. Hello? Hathaway and I'm your host. Tanya talks where your voice is heard and your story is told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB FM Lighthouse Christian Radio. I, I'm sorry, Marty. I know she probably had a heart attack. I called with about 20 seconds left to go. <laughs> uh-huh. I have um, been refreshing myself, of course, with um, uh, the details. Um, of Daryl Wiggins' case. So we are going to talk about Daryl Wiggins tonight, and he, uh, and we are going to be back on with a lot in four on Sunday, okay? There was something, uh, we'll just go that way. We are going to be back on with a lot in four on Sunday. I would like to concentrate um, during the week on helping this man who has been incarcerated for just about 30 Four years um, for something that he um, was very overcharged with and on. And um, I believe that we have, uh, is Ricky Oscar Williams on with us? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and I wasn't sure because I didn't give myself enough time to find out if you uh, were in queue or not. So we've got Ricky Oscar Williams with us tonight, who uh, is a um, is is a warrior for justice and freedom for those that deserve a second chance and those that are wrongfully incarcerated, uh, prison conditions. And I should really let you um, tell more about yourself and. Uh, so why don't you do that? Yes, Thank you ma'am. for coming on tonight, by the way. My name is Ricky Oscar Williams. Uh, I was born March 16th, 1961. I went into the custody of the Department of Corrections in 1982, and I was eventually released fully in 2013. Uh, that was an experience that actually made me a better man because I had to go through things and learn things and then reevaluate myself as time went on, constantly reevaluating myself, looking for different perspectives and outlooks and trying to understand first, because then I would be understood if I can understand someone else. And I'm here tonight to speak up for my friend, Daryl Wiggins. Thank you so much. Yeah. And you and Daryl and uh, Ricky Oscar Williams has been on before. Uh, to me, and I think to many, he is an expert uh, on this subject. And it, and I think you might have just heard why. Yes, ma'am. 
uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, I first met Daryl in September of 1990 at Joseph Hart Correctional Center. Uh, first, I need to say Ramadan Mubarak to all the brothers that's listening. Most of the brothers are fasting this month. Uh, I met him at a conference, Islamic conference, in 1990. He was a young man. I was a little bit older. And he didn't have much to say, but he, we had a conversation. He told me how much he enjoyed the food. Well, it was about 20 years ago that I ran into him again, and he became a confidant to me. He would say, no, bro, you don't want to do that. That'll work that way. You don't want to. He was always constantly trying to guide people and help people to learn from the mistakes, not only that he made, but the mistakes that he's seen other people make. And we eventually got to be pretty close friends around 2005. And I've tried to stay in contact with him. I correspond with him. And the thing that gets me about his situation is I don't believe he deserved the murder one charge. He was really originally wanna... charged with murder two. Yes. Yes, he was. Because the, it, it wasn't an overt act. You know, he didn't get up that morning to decide that he was just going to take somebody's life. You know, I really don't want to get into the specifics of it, but I can say that he didn't, he didn't wake up that morning so, well, I'm just going to kill somebody today. No, that's not what happened. I can say that maybe he was participating in some things that maybe he shouldn't have and around some people that maybe he shouldn't have been around. Mm-hmm. And all I could say was this guy's death, I believe his name is uh, Watley, Mr. Watley, was really an act, an unintentional act. You know, it was unintentional act. Jules. And... And right. it's been a long time. It's been 33 years now, you know. And I, and his heart's bad, you know what I mean? His health is bad. But he's still got that positive attitude, and he's still willing to give advice to people who's willing to listen because he's learned some hard lessons over the years. He's learned how to give. He's learned how to take. You know, I remember when I met him again 20 years ago, and I was really impressed by his sense of forgiveness and his sense of mercy because I had just met him and uh, somebody had walked up behind him and sucker punched him and broke his jaw. And uh, he was like, no, bro, just let that go. Let that go. Just let it go. You know, let God deal with it. Let God deal with it. And that was a big thing for us. You know what I mean? You don't, usually allow somebody to harm you and then you go along and you live in peace with them on the same yard. And that always made a big, a big impression to me because who can forgive when they're angry? You know what I'm saying? That's, that's a heck of a thing to do. And I was just thinking about him, you know, of the times that we had and when we talked, we went uh, therapeutic community. He took several programs over the year. Uh, Kairos Horizons Multi-Faith-Based Group, which was a well-known group at its time about 15, 16 years ago. And we participated in these programs, and then we would have discussions, and our discussions was about doing what was right 
as opposed to what everyone else does in society. And he's not very much of a outgoing type person, but he's a giving person, you know, because he, he don't have time for foolishness. You know, that's what he, hey, man, don't come over here with that foolishness, bro. And, we, you know, you have to deal with him man to man and straight up. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that this time someone would pay attention to his record, you know, look at the things that he's accomplished, look at, you know, how the years has went by and the fact that he basically, he never committed an overt murder. I, I would like you know, to correct the record, by the way, because I, in the promo, I, I did say um, he is going in front of the uh, pardon parole board for the eighth time. Uh, I'd, I'd like to correct that. It is for the seventh time. So my apologies. That was not an intentional um, to boost up, uh, you know, or, you know, know the audacity, uh, you know, not at all. Uh, meant to do that, but I just need to make sure that I correct the record for anybody who is listening, um, especially, you know, uh, if um, it's a couple of people that I have sent uh, the show promo to that could potentially help make a difference. And we need to share this, people, by the way. We need to share this. What's the number one thing that we can do to help Daryl Wiggins become a free man as he deserves to be um, 15 years ago. As a matter of fact, the ones who actually had their hands on this man who died and it was actually not even ruled, uh, there were two medical examiners, and I know we don't want to get too much into the case uh, like as far as what happened, but there are a couple things I do want to say. And then I know we need to concentrate on why he is the perfect candidate um, for parole, right? Yes. Yes, ma'am. I'd, I'd like, I would like to say a couple of key names here. One of those key names, Bob Macy. Um, yes. Bob Macy was a prosecutor who died in uh, 2010, I believe it is. And he is notoriously known for uh, being the second, I believe it is, most deadly prosecutor in the country. Um, And there's a reason why. It's not because he was hard on crime. It's because of the alleged, no, the corruption. This has had come out, of course, after he passed away. You know, it was out already, but nobody paid attention to it. Because what would that mean? What would that mean? Um, So if you Google, if anybody uh, actually doesn't know who Bob Macy is, most of the people was, most of the people in uh, Oklahoma do know. Um, if you Google Bob Macy, M-A-C-Y, Oklahoma corrupt, you ha- you'll have plenty to read. Not only Bob Macy, but Joyce Gilchrist. Joyce Gilchrist, I believe she died in 2015. 
she also was on the case. So these people touched his case and very much have something to do with the reason why uh, Daryl Wiggins was wrongfully charged. Um, He was a scapegoat. He was um, manipulated. They wouldn't allow evidence, certain evidences into uh, into the, uh, they tried to convince him to plea deal. Uh, Daryl Wiggins refused, refused, refused to admit to doing something that he did not do. That's darn noble, right? So far it's cost him 34 years, uh, about 20 more years than it should. 20 more years. He's not denying that he drove a vehicle. All right? Never put his hands on anybody. Okay? We won't get too much into the matters, but um, the man that died actually died of um, uh, the the, um, medical examiner that was hired called it heat exhaustion, but the original medical examiner um, had called it uh, something else. I'm trying to think of the name of it, but it had to do with the drugs in this guy's system. Um, That's how he died, okay? And, uh, boy, so this is true. This This is all true. This is documented, but it didn't go in front of the jury. Can you be mad at a jury? that doesn't have all of the evidence, no. So Joyce Gilchrist, uh, forensics investigator, she had something to do with the hiring of this person who basically placated what the prosecution wanted to have done. She's notorious also. Google Joyce Gilchrist, G-I-L-C-H-R-I-S-T, corrupt, Oklahoma. You'll see a ton about her. Those are two people right there that laid their hands on this case that have a lot to do with why Daryl Wiggins remains in prison for a wrong sentence and, uh, and many others. And there's a lot of facts and data on these two people that, in my opinion, given the, what came out, every single case that those hands touched needed to be investigated from that point on when that corruption came out. But I think you're going to find, if I remember correctly, when you look at the docket, you will not see those names come up. So. Interesting. Yes. Crazy, crazy stuff. And then we got Henderson. Yes. Henderson, who uh, sentenced Richard Glossop to death. That's a nationally known case. He's been minutes away from death uh, several times and has had last-minute state. Um, Nationally known case, Judge Henderson, uh, again, believed to be part of the good old boys club, has had many complaints, swept under the rug, and all of a sudden, you know, we find out, that um, oh goodness! Now he's been investigated for some uh, sexual misconduct. So you're gonna, which is good, important to investigate him. Okay, there's another one that is likely to go down in history, but let's not have him go down in history after the fact. Let's take care of this problem. You have got two people that likely denied due process to Daryl Wiggins. He is due a fair chance 
in front of the pardon and parole board. Let's get that jacket open. Let's get to know who this man is. Okay. I got that out of my system. You there, Ricky? <laughs> yeah, may I interject something? I would like you to. I'd like you to kind of take it over. Uh, that situation with Bob Macy and Joyce Gilchrist, that situation was an ugly situation that involved not only a lot of inmates, but after she left, she sued and won her pension on top of all the damage that she did. She was fired, too. Yes, and she won her pension. She sued for a pension and won it. And, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, here's the thing is, especially during that time period, if you were a minority charged with uh, taking of a life, it went straight to murder one or or felony murder. There was never Mm -hmm. any manslaughter. There was never any second degree, although they upped uh, Daryl's charges. And I believe that therein lies the problem, you know, because, like you say, with with Daryl, his actions warranted punishment, but not the punishment that he's withstood. And we've set up and talked. We have actually discussed this hours on end. You know, if we life had a rewind button or redo button, how we would do things differently. And he tell me over and he said, "Man, I didn't." He said, "I even forgot the guy was there." You know, because mm-hmm. it was a situation going on and and things got a little bit out of. He forgot the guy was even there, but he didn't set out to take his life. You know, Mm -hmm. and I feel as if is that, you know, because he was uh, from the West Coast at the time, that he was made the scapegoat by the district attorney's office because of they tried to label him a gang member. So that made it more um, serious on him. Uh, They were very um, heavily uh, around at that time. And and they just took that and ran with it, and it's been a long time now, and he has a lot to offer society. He has a lot of wisdom. Boy, does he? Yeah. He has a lot of guidance, and he's nowhere near the same man that went into prison almost 33, 34 years ago. He's just not the same guy, you know? You know, people grow and develop and even change. And I'm proud to call him my friend. Mm-hmm. I really am because he's helped me out in a lot of situations that it could have went sideways because you know that generally prison is a hostile environment. And in that hostile environment, you can't take anything for granted. You know, while we were there, I've seen him take up for people who were being bullied. You know, I seen him, you know, get in the middle of stuff when people were trying to take advantage of someone. And his his thing was, well, maybe if I help somebody else, maybe God will help me. You know? He knew he knows one... how to simmer things down. Like when he yes. was first incarcerated, 
you know, he, he admits that, you know, he was a little wild. He was, you know, and he, and he grew up. He grew up there. He learned how to survive. And, and then he diffuses problems and mentors others. And, yes, he does. So, I mean, he's an asset to the prison. We understand that. Okay, he's an asset because he knows how to help keep things under control, you, you know, things like that, uh, you know. But for goodness sake, um, he has proven that he, you know, when you look at the prongs of what they are looking for, uh, for a second chance, right, um, and who who might be considered uh, somebody, you know, that can be on parole, uh, he, 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 he meets all of those prongs, not to mention, you know, the fact that he, his time should have been served already. And, and, you know, how does that impact the pardon and parole board when they want you to admit, supposedly, they want you to admit that you committed the crime that they charged you for? You know, is that a conflict or what? <laughs> yes, it is. You know, it's an emotional, spiritual, and, and and social conflict because if you realize that you have to lie on yourself in order to achieve a goal, it gives you a mental conflict. Yeah. And yeah. he's always been honest about you know what happened, and the guys right. who actually did the dirt—they've been out what fifteen, seventeen years now, yeah. longer. Yeah. Um. Oh, let me see. I think it was. I, let me see. I have my notes with me, but it's that's approximate. That's approximate. Yep. It's been a while, and yeah. you know this is. Yeah. You know the thing is, this is just indicative of the center of the system. Mm-hmm. I could probably, off the top of my head, think of ten people that was in that same county during the same time period, give or take a year. That was that are similarly situated right now today in their early twenties when they went to prison and now they're in their fifties and struggling to try to make parole. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, and when it's you know, hopefully, you know, we do have um, things are moving in a better direction regarding the pardon parole board. Um, we've got Adam Luck who has been very interested in um in you know uh, reform and second chances and whatnot and he was just elected a few days ago um as the chair of the oklahoma pardon and parole board so along with uh larry morris who's on it um and then we've got kelly doyle uh she's somebody else that's doing more than just uh, turning the page and saying no, it's my understanding. Um, you know, we've got, of course, that conflict of interest with uh, prior Judge Alan McCall, who has put many people into prison uh, uh, for uh, very long sentences in life, and and he has publicly said that he will not. He will not um, consider voting yay um, for uh, somebody who is uh, convicted, whether it's true or not, of committing a violent crime. But, you know, what Kel really is, 
um, guilty of is he did participate in essentially the kidnapping of the man. He never touched the man, but he did drive the man a couple blocks away so as not to cause um, uh, a ruckus in this area where, you know, it wouldn't, you know, whatever. Uh, yes, ma'am. But, but he, yeah, I don't, we don't need to get into his case because this is about why he needs to come out. Uh, but the, the fact is, you, you know, I don't think he would ever deny, as you said, where he was engaged, what he did, and, um, and his remorse, how horrible he feels uh, that this man died, um, who was, you know, under the influence of, uh, you know, he was, an, he was a drug addict. So, you know, so the whole situation is very, very sad. Um, so what we need to do now is just hope that the pardon and parole board will consider getting to know his case. You know, beyond the final judgments that were rendered, because Daryl has been claiming his innocence for 34 years. That's worthy yes, of, of, uh, of saying, okay, so he's not going to say, I did it. He's not going to say, I, I should be guilty of, uh, of a murder one. That should be taken into consideration, not automatically denoted or denounced as as uh, he's not accountable. <laughs> You're absolutely he's served correct. 33 years, I would say he is more than accountable and, and you know, right? Absolutely. Because the thing is, he, he will never say that his actions didn't affect the man's uh, losing his life. But I remember the first time I talked to him in 1990, I was working in the law library, and he went to tell him, he started telling me his story then. This was 32 and a half years ago. You know, it was 31 and a half years ago. He started telling me his story, and when I seen him again, this is, and when we correspond with each other, this is we, what we talk about. How do we make amends? How do we make things right? How do we straighten this out? And I believe that he would be a good mentor. One of the things I did when I got out of prison, I started helping coach Little League football. And that was very heartwarming for me, and it gave me not only a sense of purpose, but direction. Because, you know, Young people, for being young, are tend to make mistakes. But if a respectable person has some wisdom to offer, and they offer the wisdom, they may be the one that take the wisdom. Because I've been there with him myself. But he had to have, hey, so man. He, uh, he made know. a difference in your life. Yes, he did. He helped you become who you are now. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And look at what you've done on the outside as a result of, you know, you had to do it. It was up to you to become that person. But he helped show you the way, took you under his wing. And yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh-huh. I, I talked to another friend of ours, and he's an Asian guy. I'll just call him Fat. Okay. And he was telling me about how... Uh, Daryl had 
really helped him because, you know, he was, there's not many Asians in prison. And generally, most Asians in prison are generally more financially well-off than everybody else. So they were trying okay. to take advantage of that. And he stepped in and he stopped that. You know what I mean? Where the guy could mm-hmm. do his time, be left alone, deal with, you know, what he did to get there in God. You know what I'm saying? Without having to deal with a lot of outside interference. And Fat and I talked about that the other day. And uh, he was just really, really grateful for Daryl. And he touched a lot of people's lives because he's just straight to the point. He don't play with you. He don't joke around. He don't do none of that. He just, hey, man, you touch that stove, it'll burn you. And you touch, okay, I oh, told by you. the way, um, what this man died of, okay, was not heat exhaustion, okay? Uh, uh, again, nobody like, can have his hands on him ever. Uh, but right. the man that died... And that's why uh, they're trying to. That's why uh, they pinned murder one on him. Even, even though. Okay, we'll leave it at that. What he, what the medical examiner, the first one that was not hired by the prosecution, uh, is of a malignant hypothermia. Malignant hypothermia. Mm. So, and and that was related to uh, the toxins uh, of the um, of the in uh, the drugs as well. So, um, nothing to do with anybody laying a hand on him, to the best of my knowledge. Um, and if that wasn't the case, why would the prosecution hire somebody else? to come up with uh, hypothermia because he did spend the night in the car and it was cold. Yes, it was. Oh, no, heat exhaustion. Heat. No, it's hot. Heat exhaustion. Okay, so he, what he died of was a malignant hypothermia. I forget me. That my, had to do with... My understanding was he passed at the hospital, not in the car. Yes, yes. Yes, he was alert. Yes, exactly. Oh, I've, I've got... I've got the whole case in front of me uh, that 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 you really won't see on the docket, but I've got, yeah, I, I've I've got it in front of me right now. You know the summary, uh, uh, the statement of facts. I did share it. Um, I edited the promo and I did share the link uh, to that on the promo uh, regarding what's in the appeal. Okay, um, but unfortunately, also. He had a public defender that mm. um, was that was essentially working for the prosecution in Macy and and uh, and Gilchrist because well prosecution is is Macy because uh, what if he didn't what would happen to him that's another show I understand that but I can promise you this that. He wouldn't be practicing, and to the best of my knowledge, if he didn't do what Macy wanted him to do, then he wouldn't be practicing law. You got a public defender, you've got forensics, you've got a prosecutor, and a judge, and they're all getting paid uh, 
out of the same paycheck. And uh, you know, so they meet, they we talk. Were, There's I all was, kinds of. I, I was having a conversation earlier today, and we were just trying to figure out why it does it seem like that most of the people that come from where we come from, if someone died, they were automatically charged with first-degree murder or felony murder. I mean, it should have been manslaughter. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He should have been out in 1993, 94. It's not like he's saying he's just totally innocent, but he did not have a willful intent to take anyone's life with malice. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm also aware that uh, there was some representation at one point. I I don't think it's still there for him, you know, uh, just hasn't gone anywhere. But uh, that, you know, they believe that he should have been charged with kidnapping, not even manslaughter, uh, because of the medical examiner's uh, report, you know, how this this man did die. Um, Yeah, so... Yeah, not everybody that dies dies at the hands of murder one. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. It that. seems like there's so many men, whether they're black, white, native, Hispanic, or otherwise, that they just take that and they run it to the extreme. In Oklahoma, a life can be taken, and it can be called eight things. One of them, you never go to the police station. The other one, they give you the death penalty. And the thing is, he never intended to take a life. I mean, not really to get in specific. There was nothing related, nothing. He didn't know he was going to run into this person. Um, yes. You know, it's like, you know, you're you're hanging out with your friends and somebody gets real rowdy and starts starting trouble, and you just want to put him somewhere where he can calm down. You know, just go calm down. And it's like that didn't intend to be a murder. You know, that that wasn't the intention. And it just troubles my soul sometimes when I think about him and, you know, what he's had to deal with and still be able to maintain his sanity, his integrity, his hope, and his willfulness to do good to other people. It just astounds me. You know, know, the guy should have got a 10-year sentence. He should have, really. If they wanted to murder two, he should have got 25. I guess that's what the other guys got, his fall partners. But they've been um, gone. No, they got. Uh, I think it was. Uh, I think his wife uh, Leslie said it was 15 years. Oh well, they've been out a long time. Yeah, they've been out for like 20, 25 years. Yeah, they've been out for a long time now. Mhm. And here this guy is, and they're the ones who really did the most damage. The one who intended him harm, and they just turn on him, and because he's from Los Angeles, so-called gangbanger. They just latched on to that and made him the bad guy. Right. And just made him made him the monster. And here he was, I won't say he was a victim, 
but he came out on the short end of the justice on that deal. Oh, I mean, oh well, did he pay, ever? Well, it's it just, you know, you know it, again, murder one just needed to be charged on somebody. You know, it was like, okay, people, we're taking care of Oklahoma City. Don't you worry. We got it all under control. And, uh, and uh, these other guys that probably had um, a private attorney, you know, they just flipped it over on him. Yes, ma'am. You know, it's it, it's funny when you mention that, if you think about and this, I'm not trying to get into politics, but that was when that phase two of Get Tough on Crime came. And so uh-huh. it was all in the newspapers. These gangbangers are coming from L.A. These criminals are coming from Los Angeles. These bad people are coming. So it was socially acceptable to paint Daryl as this, monster that we would see on the nightly news when that wasn't the case. It's just that so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And and it and it, it's like and like I say, he, I know at least ten more people that was there during the same period of time that dealt with the same prosecutor and forensic officer and they're, they've been there 33, 34, 29, you know what I mean, almost 30 years. And when you look at their case, there was no intent to commit a murder. No intent. You know, something happened that shouldn't have happened. Somebody died. And they've been in, they've been in prison for three decades when they should have been out for the last two and a half decades. No one's saying that you shouldn't pay the price for your actions, but sometimes it seems like the state of Oklahoma will make the price somewhat higher than what you should pay. Okay. Yeah, I agree. And and let's get into let's get into just for a moment here. You, you know the uh, the just so the listeners, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with it. Innocence, guilt, or overcharging, or undercharging, or whatever it is. You know, obviously overcharged, right? But yes, Daryl was uh, 14, 15 years old when he came to Oklahoma with his mother, brothers, and sisters. His mother uh, was, uh, you know, supporting the family, working numerous jobs. She wasn't. She started to become ill. They were living in poverty. Her brother came to Oklahoma and was making something of himself. He became um, a successful photographer, and um, he was he was noted as uh, like the first African American man uh, photographer uh, to open up his own business or something like that in Oklahoma. I, I, you know, yes. not to um, uh, you know, but it, you know, he was doing. Good things," he said. "Come live, come live here, come live here, and uh, and and we'll get you guys in a, in a good place." So Daryl went to work with his uncle, and things were looking up. Things were looking up. Things were great. Uh, you know, not hanging around the bad people like he was in Los Angeles. You know, just turning his life around, and you know, a, you know, a fresh start right there in Oklahoma. Okay, well. 
God's so willing, he's going to have it again, okay? But, um, but then the tragedy struck. His uncle was murdered. Um, his uncle was murdered, and his mother's health, very bad diabetes and whatnot, uh, went, you know, cycled down. And uh, so once again, you know, there's this, there's this family that's distraught, living in poverty in Oklahoma now. And so then, you know, Dale did what probably most other people would do who knew nothing else until he had come to Oklahoma and briefly had a fresh start. He started ring, hanging around the only kind of people that he knew at the time, okay? This is the thing. This is the thing. Is This is why rehabilitation is so darn important, is, is that people are so quick to jump and criticize, Okay. Nobody is condoning bad behavior or, you know, horrific crimes or anything like that, regardless of if it's all they knew, okay? But we must remember that there should be resources and rehabilitation. This is all Daryl knew. This is all many others that are in his similar situation knew. Daryl grew up in prison. He helped mentor you. Look at what you are. Look at where you are. He's still in there. You're out. He's glad you're out, I'm sure. You know what I mean? Keep going, brother. Keep going, brother, right? Keep going. Yeah, I'm, right I'm sitting like, there watching what? the waves crash on the beach as I do this interview. Oh, my gosh. Good for you. You know, he you. took Votech. He took, I, I don't know how many numerous classes that I took with him. Thinking for a change. Cage your rage. Uh, smart. He got his GED, you know, because, you know, the thing is, is that if you want to get out of prison, you've got to change. You've got to do mm-hmm. something. He's probably got 50 certificates if he's got one. Yeah, I've, got, I've actually got a list of it all. I've got his, um, I've got his uh, uh, packet here from when he uh, tried to get, when, uh, the, uh, that was in the pardon parole possession pardon for possession from 2018, regular, regular patrol, parole docket. Um, first of all, Daryl Wiggins' is DOC number is 155255 for anybody who's interested. 155255. That's, That's mm-hmm. from 1988. 80, yep. Yeah, 1988. 1988. You got it. He currently is in Norfolk, Correctional Center. We actually have done an awful lot of shows regarding Northfolk Correctional Center. We'll just set that aside, other than the fact that in the middle of this COVID epidemic last summer, he went and he had quadruple bypass surgery. Uh, During COVID. During COVID. His wife begged for him to have a, a, a mercy, um, you know, for him to get out of there, you know, because he, there was, he, he's no risk to anybody. He's no risk to anybody. You should see the packet of pills that he takes to stay alive. Let's start there. Um, and he was, 
Yeah. So I won't get into berating Northfolk and the issues with the cleanliness, with the um, with the uh, uh, you know the the lack of you know it was a tough situation. We'll just leave it. We'll leave it at that. So you know he is a man who is uh, in his mid fifties, uh, upper fifties now. Forgive me. Who has had a quadruple bypass surgery, who is going for his seventh attempt for parole. Table of contents, the request, letters of support, job offers, community petition support, list of certificates and accomplishments, pictures of family and supporters. I'm just going to go to um, five. Uh, List of certificates and accomplishments. Now, I imagine it is updated uh, since he has three years uh, additional. Uh, looking for Section 5, those are his letters of support. And there's a lot of them here. You know, people don't just put themselves out on the line to, um, to say, oh, yeah, 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 I'll give him a job or sure, let him go if he is a menace to society. That is very far from typical, okay? It's very far from typical. Uh, okay, list of certificates and accomplishments. He got a GED while incarcerated. Pontiac Business Institute uh, graduate, horticultural, certified instructor, Texas Christian University, enhanced counseling ideas. The FATHER program, F-A-T-H-E-R. I'm not sure what that acronym is for. I imagine it's likely... Uh, Something to do with being a good father, role model. Yes, it uh, was. You took that? Yes, you I did. Aware of it? Yes, ma'am. Quenching the father thirst. That's another one. New life behavior course. He took multiple courses. Cage your rage, like you said earlier. Quest program. Cairo's Horizon, multiple programs and for multiple years. Perfect yeah. attendance, multiple programs, Cairo's Seven Habits course, etc. Warden Charles Ray Pride Therapeutic Community Program. Cairo's Computer Orientation class. I mean, <laughs> and unless this jacket is opened up, Nobody's going to know. No, they're not. And I fear that no one will take the time to look. I'm hoping someone will listen that will write letters and ask them, look at this guy's records. You know, look Uh what he did do. Look how he's tried to change himself. He's not the same man that he was in 1988. And he still isn't the man that they painted him to be. Back in that, but like like you, you know, you spend more time just talking about he's not that man anymore, but he's not who they painted him to be either. No, no, he's not. Yep. I remember when I went to take Pride Therapeutic Community, he pulled me to the side and he said, "Bro, you sure this is what you want to do?" And he explained to me that it was a peer-driven program. In other words, it was the inmate population 
holding each other accountable. You know what I'm saying? You had to pay attention to detail. If you didn't sign out and went to dinner and come back, you might have to spend an hour in the quiet chair. You know, it was consequences for your mistakes. And he sat down and talked to me about that. And when I completed it, he just walked up to me again. He said, I see you got through it. And we kind of laughed and went and ate some ice cream. You know, because, you know, it was like you'd have to be there to understand it, but it was a very intense program. It was about being a better man and paying attention to your own actions and thinking before you act. You know, you pay attention to what you're doing, you know, because there's no room for mistakes in this world. There's no more accidents. So you have to have mindfulness and be aware of your surroundings and what you're doing at all times. And he would play with me sometimes because, you know, he wasn't much of a playing type of guy. And I'd walk past him. Somebody said, they pull your awareness up today, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had to sit in a quiet chair about three hours a day. He said, that's good for you. You can handle it. But he was very important to me during that time period. And we wasn't really even friends then. We were associates. You know, we associated yeah, with each you, other. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. we went to the same services. And uh, he was uh, uh, someone that you would listen to. So I just chose one day, well, I'm going to make this guy my friend. And subsequently, uh, Good I friend had an to opportunity. Have. Yes. I had an opportunity to speak with his mother one day on the phone. And I told her that I would do everything within my power to try to bring him home. That was, what, 2005 or so. And I've been trying to keep that promise. I've been trying to keep that promise because he's really been there too long. He's just been there too long. It serves no purpose for him to be there anymore other than existence is worth about $65 a day to a private company that the state has to pay money for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That they need to meet that quota. But, you know, listen, there's, there's, uh, I mean, let's be real. Uh, Oklahoma has the most incarcerations per capita in, in the world. At least for women, it does, and uh, and in general, I, I believe it's a, a close second, if if that. Um, it's, yes. um, and it's really not because of the fact that Oklahoma is a, is a dangerous place. It's you know more than other areas. It's it's just it's because they need reform in their justice system. They need uh, to actually, number one, uh, uphold what's already in place, enforce uh, transparency, the due processes, okay? And that was denied, and it's denied by many. uh, Many people have been denied that. So Oklahoma needs to open up their eyes about that. It's, it's, It's a cash how? Keeping money on the hoof. And, and I keep hearing year Texas. after year after year, uh, reform, money on reform, reform, reform. I, you know, I do believe this guy, Justin Humphreys, 
is sincere and and you know we need to help him help the situation out you know we need to help him he's not my enemy if he's willing to listen he's not my enemy if he's willing to read he's not my enemy if he if he listens and and he's not yours ours anybody if we can thoughtfully produce information for him to see that there is a systemic big problem and uh you know i don't want to put every representative in this pot of everybody's corrupt where are we going to go with that you know wrongs are wrong and it's important to identify what's wrong and make it right you know people free you know it's strange that you mention it like that the system is designed to work the way that it has been working. Mm-hmm. And the way the system works is not so much now as it was years ago, but they would take these inmates and put them to work in these cities, on the highways, you know, different jobs, out right. in society every day. Right. And the DOC, when he first, when Daryl was first incarcerated, the DOC policy was they wanted you as close to freedom as you could possibly be. So men with life sentences would be working on outside work crews after they served 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, we know how that, you know, there's always somebody that, with mental illness that gets out, has two or three drinks, and then has messes up. And that's kind of what happened in Oklahoma DOC started going backwards and it just started going backwards to where the basic rights that you thought you had even being incarcerated were thrown away. And you see, know, this is the just, problem is, and, you know, it's a good thing that they were doing that. So, okay, you know, that's what they were doing was, was great, but they left out a huge element, and, and, and that is a diagnosis. I know a lot of people actually become mentally ill, in prison, especially now, because those rights are thrown away, and there's just a lot of bad things that are happening that should not be happening. Um, but but uh, but the, it's the recovery. It is most of the people that are in prison are in there as a result of you know addiction, addiction, truly addiction, and yes. and. So if addictions is the root of the problem, that that crime uh, was committed due to, okay, even you can't say that addiction did it, okay, that person did it, no one's denying it, okay, but there needs to be the proper treatment. There needs to be the proper treatment. You can't afford it. You can't afford not to. If the money is going uh, to where it is supposed to be going, to improving Oklahoma, citizens' lives, um, uh, uh, and, and you know, and and to and to change the recidivism rate. It's kind of like, well, everybody's in for life anyways, even if you have parole. You know, when it when are you going to start uh, offering parole to those that are truly, genuinely? worthy of it you know you know I, I think 
I think the problem is they have so many inmates and not enough time to adequately give any person a fair and impartial hearing. Right. I think that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, you need all this public pressure, public pressure. Like, God bless Julius Jones. He deserves to have made it through that first phase. He deserves that. He deserves that. Look at what it took for him to get that. I can't help but believe if it wasn't for Kim Kardashian, Jason Flom, you know, the basketball team, all the, these coalitions that, and the pressure from that. I can't help but believe that he just would have passed through once again, you know? So it actually should not have to take that. But if that's what it takes, that's what we've got to do. That's what we've got to do. I'm very grateful for this opportunity. I, I really am. Because this is something dear to me. And at times, I'm still in counseling. I go to a counselor every week. Now I do it virtually because of what I had to deal with in order to survive and maintain my sanity. You know what I mean? You have to learn to accept abuse with good humor. Oh, please slap me again. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Or you have problems. And he was the guy that taught me how to just lower my head because I was like, I didn't care. You know, I'm going to die in here. Even though I had, I didn't have letters, I had numbers, but I couldn't see the end of it. And mm-hmm. he just would sit down and talk to me sometimes or catch me out on the softball field. He used to love playing softball. Mm-hmm. And we would get out there and he, we would laugh. I could get him to laugh every now and then. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's like, you know, the guy needs a break. And I would hope that people listening to this broadcast tonight would sit down and look for themselves like you offered the link to his information. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is not no heinous criminal. Right. He was not, what was he, 21 or so when he got in trouble? 21 years maybe. old when he was convicted. Yeah, so he was a kid. He was a kid. Listen, yeah, our brains are not formed until... 25 years old. And let's not forget the fact that he was wrongfully charged, wrongfully sentenced. Again, he should have been out, you know, 25 years ago, just like, uh, uh, you know, they just reversed where the charges might, you know, he should have gotten the same sentence as the others. uh, and, and, And less, actually, if you ask me, because he never laid a hand. You know, he never laid a hand. But, yeah, and by the way, um, I'm grateful, as I know that other people are, that you're here and, you know, and that you're talking on this, that you personally know him and others. You know Perry Lott as well, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I love, I love Perry Lott. Hey, Perry. Yeah, he's an awesome, <laughs> awesome guy. Yeah, and what what really burns me about his case is that, you know, he finally was uh, commuted, uh, but but he's still, or he's on parole, 
I'll have to, I'm, I'm just not 100% sure of the technicalities. But, so he's a free man, but they have not dropped the charge on him, even though he was exonerated. He was exonerated. They still have not dropped the charge on him because the way it is in Oklahoma is you have to find the person who really did it. Now, is well, that no, well, backwards? Well, so so he needs permission that. to leave the state of Oklahoma still. <laughs> Yeah, here's the thing with that. Pontotoc County, Oklahoma, Ada, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. has the highest tax rate in the whole state of Oklahoma because they're paying for multiple wrongful convictions. Multiple. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Brother Calvin Scott, Perry Lott, uh, Fritz, Williamson. That's just four I can name off the top of my right. head. Right, and then we've got and the I've innocent had, man. That's out of Ada, right? Yes, and I had experience with them myself, so mm-hmm. I know how they do. I know how they do. I just had enough knowledge to get out of it without really being hurt anymore. Right. But, you know, Perry Lott, how do you still be convicted of a crime when the DNA does not fit you? I know. I know. He had a gold tooth. And the person who raped her, and by the way, she's alive, or she was, you know, nobody, she wasn't murdered. The person who raped her had a gold tooth. So uh, Perry Lott was the first person with a gold, to- gold tooth that they uh, ran into, so they decided to uh, charge him. Yep. Pretty much it. That's pretty much the case, because there's no DNA. Yep. And that, and you know, when he, after he was incarcerated, uh, he had a bad staph infection that entered into his spine. Yeah. And it really messed Perry up. Yeah. But he always had a big smile on his face, always. Never an unkind word to anyone. Uh, he, he's a great man. You know, we mess and back and a, forth. Not nearly as much as I, 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 you know, I should be in touch because I know that um, he was writing a book and I want to see how that's going. Uh, yeah. He's a, I, I got up one day, went to the law library, found his DOC number. And I wrote the letter to the Innocent Project and forced his name to it. Wow. That's how that ball game started. And then I say, man, I forged your name. I wrote the Innocence Project. He said, well, if good comes from it, so be it. Wow. But I don't understand if the DNA does not fit him, how is he still charged with rape? Right. That's, and that's, uh, that's the, unconstitutional is what that is. That is that's unconstitutional. That's the problem with Oklahoma. Because yep, see, no, once they, you get in the system, they just go with it. Because once you make an error and you're a lawful authority, you become liable under the law. Yeah. So they just keep running with it and just keep going Steam with holes. it. Yep. Yeah. They, and and, because, and, I mean, and sometimes it's not an error. Sometimes it's just. You know, it all, you know, it boils down to power, and money is power, and um, and maybe some superiority kind of complexes where, you know, you're supposed to actually be, you know, the epitome of trustworthy and just, you know, but if you're not willing to live by uh, the same rules that are in place for everybody else that you're willing to put others in prison for or pretend that they did something that they're going to prison for, then then you're, you're no good to any of us people and, and, and start working for us. 
start working for us. Uh, speaking of speaking of letters, and I'm going to uh, put this on the page. I'll you know edit the page and everything. But uh, I'm going to ask people to um, you, uh, take a look at the link. Uh, more information on injustice in Oklahoma exposed. It's it's a it's a page Facebook. Okay, injustice in Oklahoma exposed. I'm going to write to share this information, but anybody who's listening um, and wants to look further at his at his case, um, again that that number. Uh, let me find that again. All right, so it he is um, uh, regarding uh, uh, his DOC number one. Five five two five five Daryl D A R R E L L L Wiggins W I G G I N S. Now he has he's going in front of the Pardon and Parole Board, or his matter is um, it's the, the very beginning of of May. It appears at this point. Okay, um, so. The guidelines are to write a letter on his behalf uh, is in order to be processed, uh, the emails and letters uh, must be forwarded to the board. Uh, letters or emails must be submitted by 5 o'clock p.m. on the Tuesday, one week prior to the board. So I'm going to give... Uh, the uh, and again, it's probably going to be easier for people to just go to the page. But I'm going to tell you what the address is. It's Pardon and Parole Board. Attention, Board Communication. Pardon and Parole Board. Attention, Board Communication. Two nine one five. And then you do an N with a dot for North, but don't write it out. N, Classen, C-L-A-S-S-E-N, Boulevard, Suite 405, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, zip code is 73106, the zip code is 73136, or you can email Board communications at ppb dot okay dot gov. Board communications at ppb dot okay dot gov. There are guidelines in, in doing this. They they also say that the letters must include. The offender's name, all right, Daryl L. Wiggins, okay. DOC number, again, that's 155255. And docket month and year on the top of each page and on the back of the envelope. So, uh, the docket month will be May 2021. May 2021. Uh, so it's got to be on the top of each page and 
on the back of the envelope in order for it to be processed, forwarded to the board letters, or emails must be submitted, once again, by 5 o'clock p.m. on the Tuesday, one week prior to the board meeting. Um, I will uh, post it as uh, an edit onto the top of, um, of the post that we're sharing the link for this show after the show. And, uh, you know, this is what we need to have happen for the Lawton Four. This is what we need to have happen for Julius Jones, all right? We're seeing that it works. This is what we need to have it happen for the others that we know because we know their cases or you believe in uh, their cases. You know, you, uh, do your homework, people. Nobody's asking you to randomly write a heartfelt letter uh, just because somebody asked you to. That's not the case. We need you to be able to take a look yourself at the information that has been provided. Open up the link. Open up the link because there is that appeal uh, 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 document uh, that, that I provided. You look yourself. And remember, not everything on Daryl Wiggins' behalf is actually in there. So keep that in mind. But go ahead and read it. Um, take a look at his... Uh, I'll see if I can share also uh, his 2018 uh, pro, uh, parole docket as well. I can amend it and include that. If I haven't already, I might have. I want you people, please, you listeners, please, we're appealing to you to uh, to appeal to the Pardon and Parole Board because everything that you've heard, I will attest to, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm saying about all the perjury right here, right what I know about Daryl Williams to do, that everything that I'm sharing is true to the best of my knowledge and ability. Uh, I'm willing to attest to that for whatever that means to you. You take a look and you judge for yourself. Please, though, if you find in favor that this man is a candidate and should be considered, please, please send an email, send a handwritten or a typed letter, but you've got to make sure it reaches their hands by having that information written as requested, or it won't even get open. I believe that we have a pardon and parole board that is being more responsible, and I would just love if we can have a victory, a justice victory in May for this man, and we can start a good trend where we know there's hope. You can never give up. You can never quit give up. If you give up, then there's no chance for justice. Know that this has happened to other people and justice is being served. God, decades later for so many, 
But this man is deserving. This man is deserving, and you only heard a snippet why. His wife has been on the show uh, several times. She's too sick. She has diabetes. She was traveling all day. She's too sick to come on tonight. She's just had, you know, over the summer, quadruple bypass surgery. This man is not a threat to anybody. He is an asset. He is an asset. Please consider taking the time to help this man. Um, I know I'm going to. I am, you know, but we need to put it in writing, you know. You there, Ricky? Hello? Oh, did I lose him? Hey, Marty, are you there? Well, I'm not sure if we fell off air. Hello? Um, if if you can still hear me, uh, what I will do is is just uh, call it a call it a uh, fifteen minute early night. I think we might have fallen off air, um, but just in case we didn't. I want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in and for caring so much that you've um, that you carry on and uh, and that you stayed with us. That you understand as advocates yourselves. Most of you are. Many of you are. Many of you are trying to figure out if this is the right cause. If this is a worthy cause. Hopefully, you're finding out that it is. Uh, Marty Oakley show. Uh, um, forums on ppjg.me, you'll find other shows that uh, she hosts and uh, she has other hosts for on guardianship abuse, about politics and, and world things in general. Corruption yeah, is a show and trying to make what's wrong right. You know, we're very happy to, um, to be able to uh, uh, share with you that, yes, we have had some successes. We have had some victories. Uh, been a part of putting some really bad people away through bringing it to the surface, not alone, but, you know, using what I can bring and what others bring to the table. And, and you know, we help share the word and spread the word here. Uh, but nothing goes without scrutiny uh, before it comes out on these shows. Um, this show is also... Uh, sponsored by, or not sponsored, in affiliation with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower, the annual Whistleblower Summit. It's something that you really will want to start paying attention to. It's going to be, um, it's going to be virtual uh, again this year, as it was last year. But uh, just take a look, uh, Google it. The annual Whistleblower Summit, Washington D.C. Tremendous, tremendous. Um, summit uh, that has uh, been in Washington, D.C. for years now, where you will find 
people that didn't give up that won. You'll find, uh, and they'll be talking about their their situations, you will find people that are still fighting and uh, telling their story and looking for hope, uh, coming, you know, strengthen themselves and to have the confidence and courage to continue going forward for themselves or other people and situations. Um, and uh, and uh, there's lots of forums there that think that you can learn how to best support your cause. Uh, again, Whistleblower Summit, Marcel Reed uh, puts this together, uh, Annual Whistleblower Summit. Uh, Marty Oakley has a platform there uh, every year, whether it's virtual or in person, and I've been engaged with that platform as well. I hope to be back there uh, involved with it again. Um, and and we just have to have faith, continue to have faith, continue to pray, but also, it, you know, just one letter, your one letter, your one email in support of the right cause of the right person, it will add up. It always matters. So I'm going to ask you to take it upon yourself to consider doing that. Uh, go take a look at Injustice in Oklahoma Exposed Facebook page. Again, I'm going to share that address and that information. I'm post uh, an additional picture in there so that you can see the proper instructions um, to uh, offer support of Daryl Wiggins' uh, parole. If anyone deserves it, he deserves it. We have a juvenile, somebody, a, a young man who went in as a juvenile, uh, 17 years old, I believe he was, Brown. He is another perfect example uh, uh, of somebody who deserves justice. And, uh, you know, I think it's been 20-something years that he uh, remains behind a prison walls. We're going to have uh, conversations about him as well. Uh, we're going to bring that case to light. Many people in Oklahoma do know about that. But the thing about this young man is that <laughs> what he's when he's talking, he doesn't talk about his case nearly as much as he talks about the cause and the purpose and the you know, the reform that's needed, the rehabilitation that's needed for these young people that made mistakes that many make, many make, and were never found out. And uh, again, we're not condoning bad behavior. We have to look at these situations in a case-by-case situation without preconceived notions. For somebody who's going up in front of the pardon and parole board for seven years, there is a fear that it's going to be, well, he keeps on being uh, denied. Well, I'm not going to be the one who approves it. What, what happens if? Well, what happens if you don't get to know this man and you don't get to know this case? Then that's another life that is stolen because he didn't take the time. So we ask the Pardon and Parole Board to take the time to get to know this man, get to know the case. We understand your time constraints. 
but we'd much rather you get it right the first, second, or third time, you know, initiate that process, take a deeper look the first, second, or third time than this having to come around, you know, every few years for every person that deserves a better look. And it'll keep it so busy that you're not going to be able to give that better look. We're begging you, begging you to take that time, open up the jacket, and take a better look. I'm Tanya Hathaway. Tanya talks where your voice is heard and your story is told. And 89.9 KLRB, Lighthouse Christian Radio. Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB, Lighthouse Christian Radio in Oklahoma and the surrounding areas. Please be sure to tune in if you are in Oklahoma and the surrounding areas uh, to uh, Stephen Burke's uh, radio station on Saturdays as well. Um, Great conversation there uh, from the heart, from the truth, uh, from God's word and from the Constitution. Can't go wrong there. The Lawton Four, we expect the Lawton Four to be back on again this coming Sunday. Please look for updates. And uh, I'm going to continue talking about Daryl Wiggins' matter. And I will, I believe his commutation will be the third, uh, or his parole hearing will be the third through the fifth sometime between that time. I will uh, provide confirmation of that or when it is exactly. And uh, thank you for listening. I'm Tanya Hathaway with Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your story is told. God bless and good night.